it's Gemma Windsor here. I've just listened to an incredibly interesting and thought-provoking session on day two of ECMID. And I'm here today now just having a talk with one of the fantastic speakers from that session, Dr. Marcelin. Um, would you mind giving us a really brief overview on what you spoke about, please? Hi, I'm Dr. Jasmine Marcellin. I'm an infectious disease physician associate professor at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. And today I talked about uh, bridging, identifying and bridging gaps uh, in research equity. And uh, one of the ways that I broke it down was looking at it from the perspective of the researchers themselves, as well as the communities that are being studied. So from the researcher standpoint, what we see from a gaps is loads of data that is telling us that there are differences and this disparities in the uh, publications, in the access to research, in hiring, in promotion, in pay, across gender lines, across race, ethnicity. And we also see similar uh, publication disparities um, from a geographic um, distribution standpoint. It's important for us to be thinking about where, what are the opportunities for access for, from a researcher standpoint. On the patients that are being studied, um, part of it, then we have a lot of data that is showing disparities in care and outcomes. Uh, for example, uh, differences in uh, access to antimicrobials, differences in, in prescribing based on gender, race, ethnicity, geographic location. Um, there's also uh, disparities in the disease processes and diagnoses of things like catheter-associated urinary tract infections, bloodstream infections, severity of C. difficile. And so we, when we think about equity in uh, research, it really has to boil down to how we look at the, the researchers and the community. Now, from a ways to bridge the gap standpoint, we can look at it in the exact same way. So from the research standpoint, we have to think about how to be intentional about including individuals from different backgrounds into the research at all stages of the research. So I'm, I'm talking about um, making sure that your research team is diverse, making sure that the editorial team, the peer review team, all of the gatekeepers that are associated in the process from doing the research to publishing and disseminating the research, those individuals need to come from diverse backgrounds in order for us to ensure that the people, the researchers that we're trying to reach are coming from those backgrounds as well. Same thing from an intentionality standpoint from the, the people that we are doing the research um, with, the communities that are impacted by the research, we have to be intentional about how we reach them, ensuring that folks are included in clinical trials and uh, ensuring that people have equitable access to the, the medications. And that must be particularly pertinent in infectious diseases, I would have thought more so than almost any other branch of medicine. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, I mean, from an infectious disease standpoint, we see these inequities that are occurring uh, from across all these different conditions. And then we also see the same sort of inequities in terms of access to the care. So, you know, people talk a lot about the COVID-19 pandemic and how this has kind of shown these inequities. Really what it has done, it, these inequities are not new. It has really kind of unveiled it so that more people can see it. And so we were seeing this disproportionate impact of um, the, the virus on black and brown 
brown communities. And we were seeing that these same communities had disproportionate access to the treatments and preventive um, uh, therapeutics for COVID-19. So what that means is that uh, this mismatch is, uh, is just really un unacceptable. And we have to be able to ask the questions of, first of all, why are they experiencing these disproportionate impacts? And what are the upstream drivers? Where are the structural issues, structural racism, um, the socio-demographic disparities, all of the things that are going on that are making people uh, more likely to have those um, the uh, disease, but then also looking downstream at the impacts of right, not having the access as well. And the other concept that you mentioned, which um, I've recently read about in Dr. Rennie Edelodge's book around intersectional um, kind of issues, so looking at issues that um, would sort of be more focused or even more intense when you're looking at one or two more aspects, so yeah. being a black female, for example, right. or a brown female, um, so those kind of issues, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the data that we have looking at disparities is, is looking at really one um, one demographic issue and this concept of intersectionality. So Dr. So Kimberly Crenshaw is the one who coined this term of intersectionality, where um, the the impact of more than one demographics um, kind of compounds. It's not mm -hmm. really additive. It's multiplicative and exponential. Uh, exponential <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I agree with that. And so what we need to um, ensure is that in in identifying the gaps, we need to understand what those might be from an intersectional lens, but also from a mitigation standpoint, making sure that the intentionality is also including the intersectional characteristics of individuals and understanding that people experience, um, they move through life with different lenses and trying to ensure that all of our research groups and our partnerships are accounting for all of those different lenses is really important. And one of the last things I just wanted to talk about which again I'd read about in the same book that you also spoke about in the conversation we had afterwards was around the myth of meritocracy and why because of that myth and because of the years and years of obstacles and the structural issues that people have had to overcome to get to a stage where they may be wanting to be involved in research wanting to be a participant in research and why we need to intentionally kind of over overcome those and um, so I was just wondering if you could just give a brief outline around the myth of meritocracy and your yeah. view on how we can kind of intentionally look to recruit away from that yeah, so um, a lot of folks think about meritocracy and they think about diversity and inclusion as being mutually exclusive. And if you are thinking about um, recruiting or anything from a lens of equity, that means that you are going to go for less quality than if you are thinking about things from only a lens of meritocracy. And the reason why this is a myth is because these two are not mutually exclusive. Uh, and what the goal of equity is, it's really looking at every everyone for all of the qualities that they have to bring and that so that includes whatever their perspective and their lens are yes they might be a black person they might be a woman they might be somebody from a lower middle income country and they are an uh, excellent researcher and they are an excellent clinician and the issue is that most of the times people people don't they don't really know others 
um, who are doing the work outside of their own circles. And what equity requires, what it demands from us is to move out from our typical circles and intentionally ask questions about who else is doing this work, who are different from us. And we'll find that there are people who are so well qualified, they're just running in different circles from us. And it's not because they are a black person that we are choosing them, it's because they are a phenomenal researcher and we need to have a diverse um, research group or a diverse author list on this publication. And so we need to be thinking about them as um, things that are mutually beneficial um, rather than mutually exclusive. That's really interesting. And finally, as if we need any more um, persuasion, which we definitely shouldn't, but you opened your presentation just giving a brief overview of how diversity has been proven to make certain organisations, certain institutions much more successful. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind just giving a very brief overview before we wrap it up. Yeah, so the data that I was presenting uh, was looking at Fortune 500 companies and the uh, this was um, looking at both the gender and race and ethnicity uh, composition of the boards of directors of the Fortune 500 companies and showed that those that were more diverse were more likely to have increased firm performance, increased reputations, they were, be, they were more likely to be productive. And while this was um, older data that's shown in the business arena, uh, there has been more recent data looking at um, research teams and the medical sciences that have shown exact same thing where as your team gets more diverse, your quality of the work is much better, the work gets published in more high impact journal uh, factor journals, it gets disseminated more, and um, the, the end product of that is that diversity drives excellence. That's the way that we should be thinking about it, and, and the way that I ended the presentation was um, the fact that um, thinking through diversity, equity, and inclusion, these things, they benefit everyone and they harm no one. And so that's the way that we need to really be taking away from it, is that it drives excellence and they're, the only thing that it does is benefit the entire group. And that's a perfect place to wrap it up. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to speak to me. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks.